0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. The so third straight game, the Lightning have fallen behind, one nothing. Here's a breakaway, Coleman alone. Score! Blake Coleman. What a huge response by the Lightning! A breakaway goal for Blake Coleman to tie the game at one. Cross the line, Braden Point, right circle, back in front, Kucherov. A center I feed, Pelon. Score! the Lightning have another. Andre Palladis made it 2-1. to one. Boy, was that ever quick. I'm writing down the goal by Coleman and I look up and here we go.
1: Here we go. That's right, Phil Esposito. Here we go. Dallas is ready to go. That's right. Came back in overtime. They defeat Vegas 3-2. So whoever wins obviously this series between the Lightning and Islanders they will be taking on Rick Bonus and the Dallas Stars. Of course the Lightning are up three games to one. They have an opportunity to close things out tonight at eight o'clock. Lots to get to. Apparently the Islanders thinking about shuffling their lines for game five. Will that help? Steven Stamco skated yesterday. That was nice, but John Cooper says hold off on him returning to the lineup and so much more to get to but first dave we talk about who the lightning will draft coming up in about a month. no i'm joking we're gonna (laughs) gonna get right into the game and put a pin um, in that one (laughs) (laughs) I, i had to i had to so much excitement uh today uh congrats again to dallas but we've got adam hall coming up in our next segment and i'm always curious dave the athlete or the team that has an opportunity to clinch the Eastern Conference Final or Western Conference Final to play in the Stanley Cup, what that clinching game is like for them? What What is the mindset? I mean, we, we obviously know the Lightning are, are going to be ready to go and they they want to win this game, but how much anxiousness is out there? Are they going to feel tentative to start? Or are they going to come out and just say, you know what? We have a chance to end this in five We're going to do it, and we're not going to give the Islanders any life uh, anymore in this series. I'm, I'm very curious to see how, especially early on, it plays out for both teams tonight.
0: Yeah, and you can have swings within a game. I mean, we've seen that in each of the last two Game 5 situations for the Lightning, up 3-1 against Columbus and up 3-1 against Boston. The Lightning had a great start against Columbus in Game 5. Remember, they were up 2-0 halfway through the first period, and then Columbus completely took the game over. I thought the first period in Game 5 against Boston was, was fairly even, but then remember, the Lightning did score first early in the second, and then the Bruins took over the rest of the period. And it was 1-1 after two because the Lightning were able to hold the Bruins to one goal. Vasilevsky was a part of that. And I do think the Lightning hung in there defensively. But they were definitely on the wrong end of the possession metric after they grabbed the lead. But yes, I think in a perfect world, a strong start and getting a lead would benefit them. I would like to think A couple of things as far as how the Lightning are going to be approaching this game and handling it. First of all, they have the experience now from the last two Game 5 situations. Understanding how hard it is to get the fourth win, particularly when the other team is facing elimination and you are not. And this is the first of these types of games. In other words, if the Islanders win tonight, then they have to do it all over again, right? Two nights from now. But this is the first time they're facing elimination islanders in the series so the lightning have to be ready for that and hopefully the the past experience as recent as earlier in this playoff year will aid them the second part is and and by the way you know we've we've been privy to some of the locker room talk that has gone on not just for the lightning but the other teams as well that we don't normally see (laughs) but we saw a clip after game 4 and one of the first things John Cooper said to his team is remember the fourth one is the hardest to get. Mm-hmm. And and so they know that. They understand that we've heard them say that. And the I other think really... thing is well and, and yeah, just the other thing is that you know there's been a lot of talk about how Pat Maroon they brought him in he has a cup that's really important whatever the stat is however long it's been a team has not won the Stanley Cup unless they had a guy at least one player on the roster who it's a good had stat. won a cup. Yeah. And I, I think that that helps. But the other thing to remember is these Lightning players, the vast majority of them, have been deep in the playoffs before. Certainly the, the group that has been intact going back to you know, 2015, 2016, 2018, but you know, Shattenkirk has played in a conference final. Uh, Barkley Goodrow has played in a conference final. He mentioned Maroon, he's won a cup. So in terms of like understanding what it means to be here, And understanding the enormity of the situation, most of the players in the Lightning locker room have been down this path before, either with the Lightning or with another team.
1: I think if you're the Islanders tonight, I know this is a very simplistic approach. It's a complicated game at times. There's more uh, tactics involved than than what I'm going to say. I, I understand that. If I am the Islanders, Dave... I'm playing relatively loose. What do you have to lose? Yes, I know you lose, you're done. But it can't be any worse in terms of trying to generate some offense. There's an article on NHL.com about how Barry Trotz is thinking about switching up the lines. The one line that has done a little bit of damage has been Brock Nelson. But they're not going anywhere unless Matthew Barzell can't get going. Or Pajot, for that matter, as well, who's had a really good playoffs up to this point. If I'm the Islanders, I'm looking at this probably in my head and saying, you know, we're down 3-1. This is going to be a huge comeback for us. Let's just whip it and let's go for, for tonight's game. Let's play a little loose. Yeah, we want to play within our structure, but, you know, if we have a chance to make a play, let's make a play. We haven't done it outside of a couple of spurts in this series. Let's see if that works because at this point, Dave, through four games, what they've done to this point, for the most part, hasn't worked. And the way I know that, is because of wins and losses. And that's the point of this game. I'm not looking at metrics. I don't want to look at how well the Islanders at times have defended. That's all nice and good. But the reality is they are down three games to one, and what they are doing to this point really isn't working. So if you're Barry Trotz, he's talking about switching up some lines. I think you do what you can. It's not like you can go out there and get better personnel. He's stuck with who he has. But I think from a mental approach, if you're the Islanders, I think you have to play a little looser. Again, not abandon your system, but get a little more creative. Uh, try and find some opportunities where you know Matthew Barzell can can make a play, and maybe not gripping the stick as much may help them. I'm not telling you it's good enough to win, but I think at this point, facing elimination and down 3-1. I think probably the mindset has to be a little bit different in this spot than, let's say, if the game was tied at 3-3, we're playing for a Game 7.
0: I think if you look at the series as a whole, have the Islanders had some segments in which they've played well? Yes, they they have played well in segments. Start of Game 2, certainly we talked about the, the second half of the second period in Game 4, where they did generate some chances. Times to, to your point, they have hemmed the Lightning back in the Tampa Bay defensive zone. The Lightning have had at times puck management issues in the series, and the Islanders have contributed to that with how they have played through the neutral zone and how they have forechecked. What has not worked for the Islanders is, with the notable exception of game three, where the Lightning made some pretty significant defensive mistakes giving the Islanders glorious scoring chances and the Islanders were able to convert on those. In the other times where the Lightning have not been really on top of their game, let's say, what has not worked for the Islanders? Either the Lightning are defending well without the puck, so they're not giving the Islanders glorious chances, even if the Islanders are having a possession advantage. Or there are breakdowns, And Vasilevsky is shutting the door. So, look, I mean, I guess you could say let's just play loose. Let's play like a team sometimes we see in late March, early April that's way out of the playoffs and it goes in and, you know, takes on a team that's battling for its playoff life and surprises them, right? That's a team that plays loose with nothing to lose. And and there may be something to that, but I, I don't know if the Islanders are gripping their sticks too tightly Maybe they are. I just think that
1: you talk to Josh Bailey; he might be saying that, right? Well,
0: but he's had a lot of he's had <laughs> yes. a lot of assists, though. I mean, he's among the league leaders in assists. I think they've not had enough finish, and whether that is because Vasilevsky is making the saves on the chances that they're getting, again, with the exception of Game Three, or the Lightning are doing a good job defending in front of their net, so there just aren't a lot of those glorious chances, and you have to kind of scrabble together a, a bit of an ugly goal I don't know I don't know what the answer is for the Islanders and it's also possible Greg that they could win a low scoring game and they don't need all this production I mean their power play has not done anything since the the first chance they got in the series but you know you reference Dallas Dallas has been all over the map in this playoff year. Like They had a series against Colorado. Didn't they set the record for the most goals or something like that in a Mm -hmm. seven-game series or it had been the most in a long time? Then they go into the series against Vegas. It's five games. The Stars scored a total of nine goals, but they won four games to one. They're averaging less than two goals a game in a best-of-seven series, and they win it in five. So, I mean, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I think for the Islanders, they just want to win. And whether it's 1-0 or 5-1 or 5-4 or whatever, they just want to try and extend the series. But the fact that Barry Trotz is looking at shuffling his line combinations is an indication that certainly 5-on-5, he's looking for more activity in the
1: offensive zone, more scoring chances, and more goals. Adam Hall is up next. We'll get his thoughts on trying to close out a series like the Lightning will try and do tonight against the Islanders. I am Greg Linelli. He is Dave Michigan, along with Steve Ersnick. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.
0: An hour of hockey talk to get you through social distancing. This is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.
1: It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Glad you're with us. It is a game night Tampa Bay trying to end this series in five games, up three games to one against the Islanders. Puck drops a little after 8 o'clock. Pre-game on the network side will begin at 7.30, but we've got some shows for you before then. And, of course, we're going to talk for another 45 minutes, breaking it all down for you. At Bolts Radio, that's where you can get us on Twitter. I am Greg Linnelli, along with Dave Mishkin. And joining us right now, glad to have him. We've had him on before. Always enjoy his analysis, former NHLer, now analyst. Adam Hall. Uh, Adam, first off, great to be with you. And boy, they always say, and you know this better than anybody, the clinching game is the hardest one to win. We know the other team, meaning the Islanders, they're going to be giving their best tonight. But for the team like the Lightning that's on the verge of clinching, what other factors are you dealing with outside of your opponent that makes this one difficult?
2: Uh, well, thanks for having me on guys. And, uh, you're absolutely right. I think that, uh, the Islanders, they're like a caged animal. They have nothing left to save it for. They know that. So their focus is all in on this game. So you know that they're going to be focused. The problem is when you're in a situation like the Tampa Bay lightning, um, you, there's so many other distractions. Now they're going to be starting to get people and friends and buddies and family members calling them to try and book tight, uh, fi- uh, flights or tickets or, you know, I mean, in a normal situation, obviously there's no fans now, but asking all these questions and, um, so really, it's about blocking out distractions and really being able to refocus yourself on, okay, what is the only task in the world that matters right now? That's how do we prepare for tonight? How, is it, how do we prepare for that first shift? Because a lot of times what happens is when you get thinking too far ahead, about things that don't matter and you can't control anyways, that's when it distracts your focus from performing at your best on what you actually need to do, which for every guy in that locker room right now is just their number one shift, their very first shift of this game tonight. And then after you kind of have that, you've got the game plan, you've got all the meetings, uh, you've done all the analysis and video, I'm sure to death uh, at this point. You can't know this team any better after facing them all these games in a row right now. So the only thing that happened next is just to go out and perform. Uh, you know, you may tweak a couple things here and there, but uh, for the most part, it's okay. Block out distractions, focus on that start tonight, and then go get it.
0: It was earlier in the playoffs and not the conference final. So to your point, it's not like people were calling the players when they got to game five of the first round against Columbus or game five of the second round against the Bruins. But... Outside of that, it is similar in that the Lightning are up 3-1. They are not facing elimination. Their opponent is, and Game 5 is the first game where their opponent is facing elimination. Do you think the fact that they went through this twice already and really got quite a good performance from the opposition in both of those previous Game 5s, the fact that they went through it already twice in this playoff year, will that provide any kind of benefit for the Lightning tonight? I think anytime you can
2: draw on prior experiences where you've had successes, what you do is that you kind of use those as foundation, you know, building blocks to say, okay, we've done this. You don't want to get too far ahead of yourself and overconfident or cocky about, oh, we're good enough or we're better, we should win this game, because that's a losing mentality. What you do is you look, okay, we've this is what we've done in the past to have success. The first round, what did we do in that game? You look back, you say, okay, this is how we handle these situations. And the reason why you won those games is because you competed every bit as hard and probably honestly harder than, you know, the first game of those series. Uh, And so, and that's what you have to do because you have to expect the Islanders are going to raise their level and throw every single thing they can at you. It's that desperation. Uh, and, And I remember people, some coaches asked me one time, they showed me videos of, you know, some playoff games and guys diving, blocking shots and playing physical and fighting. And they were wondering, they're like, how do we take this type of effort and translate that? And how can we get that every single game, you know, in the regular season throughout a season? And the answer is you can't because there's no way to duplicate that type of pressure, that type of desperation when you know that the season is on the line you're that close to going to the stanley cup finals um, and all that pressure comes into it and that's how you get players to play desperate and to do anything they can uh to win and to just you know win a battle win a shift uh anything they can so um when the lightning actually kind of put that mindset in place when they're able to go in uh execute a a good start and kind of move through that process as far as okay just come Consistency, competing every single shift uh, like that, then they're going to have success.
1: Adam Hall joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Adam, is the difference in this series as simple as Tampa Bay's high-end players performing better than the Islanders' high-end guys? Uh,
2: I think that's an absolutely critical piece. I don't think that uh, I don't think any team gets anywhere you know this far into any playoff uh, run without depth players. Just because, I mean, I think thats it's just a long, grueling process. Like many people have said the Stanley Cup is one of the most difficult trophies to win in all of sports, and that's by design. It's supposed to be grueling. It's supposed to be physical. It's supposed to its supposed to be the ultimate team trophy where you can't just have, you know, a starter or a star player kind of score and win it for you. Um, it's enough of a physical sport where there's going to be injuries. There's going to be, even if you're not injured enough to be out of the lineup, Every single player on any championship team is going to have bumps and bruises and things where um, you know that have affected their play or or should have. That it's adversity to uh, it's adversity to overcome. So to be able to have those uh, depth players, uh, all the players in your team, whatever level they're at, be able to step up in big moments. You know, other teams, Islanders, they know who the top scorers on Tampa. Is. Everybody in the world does. There's no secrets at this point. That's who you focus on and try and eliminate. You know, as far as the probability of kind of hurting you in a game. That's the opportunity when uh, adept players have, you know, second, third, fourth lines, other, you know, defensemen kind of chipping in with goals, assists, whatever it may be, to be able to really step up and say, okay, the other team's focusing on all these players. You know, you have to raise your game. You have to be able to step up and and, kind of help out the team in those uh, opportunities.
0: To this point in the series, Halsey, the Lightning have been very effective at generating scoring chances, Throughout the series and fairly consistently, even in some of the games where their puck management has been wobbly, when they've actually had the puck, they have generated chances. You think back to game two, certainly at the end of that game, they had three great looks in the span of about 10 seconds. And it's not just the point line, although the point line has certainly been very dangerous. This has been such a good Islanders team defensively through the playoffs. How have the Lightning been able... To get these good looks and not just isolated good looks fairly consistently through the series so far. Yeah, I honestly think it's just that's a testament to how well this
2: team has been built and then their consistency of effort uh, because you, you almost have to do something, you know, a thousand times to have success once. You know, you have to build these habits in where the compete level for so many of these guys up and down the lineup for Tampa every single shift, all shift long, they do that because the Islanders, you're exactly right. They are coached well. They play defense tough. So you may only get one opportunity the other day. The Braden Point goal was a prime example where the puck didn't go right in. It was kind of a rebound. Barzell was back checking and he just kind of went three feet past the goal line instead of you know staying with a Point who stopped the net, had those habits, and was there and ready for a second, third battle. He didn't just you know get the, even though it was empty net, he kind of missed hit it. It hit the original save. The goal Made and the puck was laying right there. Uh, and then who stops there? Point does. And he, you know, that's one of those habits you built in. Now, what you don't see is the hundreds of times that Point has driven the net, stopped there, and then the goalie made to save or the guy was on him because it was a well coached team. But he did it one more time, and that's the difference in having, you know, a critical goal in a Stanley Cup, um, you know, playoff game.
1: Adam Hall joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. You know, Halsey, it's interesting. You look at a guy like Andre Pilat and the success he's had playing with Kucherov and points, and I'm wondering, why do you think he's done so well playing with those two? It's easy to sit there and say, well, those two guys are great players, but as you know, that's not always a guarantee for a player to enjoy success because it can be difficult playing with really skilled players as well. I think Pilat
2: is such an interesting player to me because he does so many different things well. Um, he plays, you know, defense well. He plays uh, a physical style of game. He finishes hits uh, well. Uh, when other players try and play physical against him, he's strong. it doesn't get under his skin. He's so even-keeled and, and consistent with his effort. Um, he competes hard every single shift in, in one-on-one battles. But then there's this element of his, his talent and his skill level, his skating ability, his speed. And what a lot of people, to me, don't talk about is how smart of a player he is in the decisions he make which is a difficult uh, part of the game to quantify but when you put him with you know certain players a smart player you when you play him with smart play, you know Kucherov's points. Those guys see plays. They're playing chess, not checkers, out there. So they they see plays. You know in the future they seek and they anticipate more than other players do. And when you're able to put players like that together, it just kind of it's like a synergy. It produces one to one, uh, one plus one equals more than two in a situation like that. So um, they're able to kind of create these plays, react quicker than other teams, opposing defenses. And uh, you, you know the previous uh, you know couple uh, chances that they've had is evidence of that. You seen them kind of pick apart. They just create these two-on-ones. Uh, they make plays. They go to areas that you wouldn't really expect them. You think you kind of have them contained and it's almost like they sucked you into their trap and then they wanted you to kind of come in that area and then and then they still find a way. They're so talented. They can pass pucks through you. Uh, they read off each other so well and they anticipate so well uh, and then their skill level takes over. If you give one of them uh, you know, a second, split second with the puck on their stick anywhere near the net, they're skilled enough to, to make sure that uh, they capitalize on it.
0: One other key to this point in the series for the Lightning has been the effectiveness of their penalty kill. They allowed a goal on the very first power play the Islanders had back at the beginning of Game 1, but they haven't allowed a power play goal since. And along the way, we had the 5-minute major in Game 2, the 5-on-3 in Game 2. Even in Game 4, it's 3-1, but the Islanders get a power play with, like, 6 minutes left. That's a big kill for the Lightning. They got through it. What are you seeing from the penalty kill – that is allowing the unit to have so much success in the series? Yeah, you see them playing as a complete unit, as, as one hole
2: rather than, you know, parts or, or pieces of a hole, one one guy at a time. And that's what's critical, I think, in any um, shorthanded situation. The other team has the obvious advantage. So they're going to be able to move the puck quicker. If you are not 100% in sync with your other penalty killers um, and everybody's not moving, you almost have to be more efficient. Uh, you have to work harder. Uh, and you have to work smarter than than power plays. And that's the only way you can kind of limit their chances. And at the end of the day, they're going to get some chances, and that's where Vasilevsky has been huge. Um, every team will probably tell you the goaltender has to be your best penalty killer because you do as good a job as you can. It doesn't matter if you're the best in the world, but if they're if they're letting in goals, they're going to get shots on net, and if those are going in, then um, there's nothing you can really do. But Vasilevsky has had the consistency. He's been playing well, he, They and that gives the rest of the team Uh, confidence okay we can be more aggressive we can actually go now and pressure their power play harder than maybe we normally would uh, in a lot of different situations and I've really seen that that's what seems to me to to really disrupt uh, the other team's power play when Tampa can be aggressive but in a strategic way, where it doesn't—they uh, don't lose anything. They—they they, uh, have their game plan in place, where they're trying to, uh, you know, force the Islanders into areas that are low percentage areas, low probability areas. Uh, take their star players that they you know—the plays they're trying to make, the one timers and the shots that they're trying to get to, and you try and really kind of okay, how do we take that away? How do we push them into situations <laughs> where they're going to be less comfortable or have um, less odds of being successful?
1: Adam Hall joins us here on the show. We're getting you set for Lightning and Islanders coming up at 8 o'clock. And, you know, Halsey, the Lightning have had two series that have gone five games, possibly could be a third tonight. The playoffs are grueling, as you know, even in a bubble environment. Does that have any tangible benefits to the Lightning when it comes to their play? Um, you know,
2: I think, I think every series is a different animal. I think that you really, you know, when you get into, you know, for the players that are in it right now, I think that you can almost, it's almost a luxury to be able to say, okay, just forget about all of those other things. And just kind of like every single game, if you have a short memory in this manner, um, it's almost going to be a benefit where you can say, okay, Everything you've done in the past up to this point, yes, you know, analyze it, learn from it. Are there anything we can kind of take away? But once you have that part of it, you got to forget about it. you got to move on, and then you've got to be able to raise your compete level again for that game. So, um, you know, any things in the past like we talked about earlier, if you've got an experience that kind of lends, okay, this is how we handled this before. This is how we were successful. You take that knowledge. You take that confidence uh, into the situation you're going into. Um, but again, yeah, it's 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 also that kind of double edged sword. You want to be able to bring that past experience, uh, you know, to to benefit you and have confidence, but at the same time, you don't want to get trapped
0: into thinking, oh, we've done this before, so we're
2: automatically gonna do it again.
0: You had a very long career in the NHL, a lot of years there were no playoff games or a handful of playoff games, but you had two deep runs, oh eight with Pittsburgh, you got to the final, lost to the Red Wings, and then that twenty eleven year with the Lightning, get into the Eastern Conference Finals, and losing in Game 7 to Boston. For the players on the Lightning, and a lot of them have have been in a similar boat. Maroon has won a Stanley Cup, but a lot of guys have gotten to the final and lost with the Lightning, Conference Final, lost with the Lightning, or Shattenkirk with the Blues, Goodrow with the Sharks. When you've gone deep and not gotten... the top of the mountain. Do you think you gain an appreciation even more for how hard it is and how valuable this opportunity is in front of them right now? 100%.
2: 100%. And I think Luke Shen had some great comments to that effect. Um, there's a guy who's a great example of, you know, uh, a great teammate, uh, you know, played with him in Philadelphia, uh, a, a person that you, a teammate that you want to battle for, that you know is going to do whatever it takes to win. Uh, he's shown that in this series. And he's he has an ability to go out there and play the physical game, play solid defense, and it settles it down. You, you don't see Matt Martins running around after Kucherov's because Luke Shen's there and guys like him. And they've, you know, lightning have kind of, you know, you know, that's a testament to, you know, what the management and staff at Lightning have done to kind of go out and address some of those things that people were talking about as, as far as, you know, that toughness and that kind of grit and, and that playoff competitiveness, uh, the physical side of things. So um, when you start off and maybe you're a younger player, there's no way I don't think that you can fully appreciate it just because you haven't experienced all sides of it. But um, after time, when you get there, when you and you get so close, uh, you have a few playoff runs in your belt. When you get into the finals, and you see, when you get in the conference finals, and you see all these, um, you kind of realize by going through it. How how much it hurts you know physically to go through to, you know two three four series, um, how long it takes all the effort all season long, and you realize too, it's not just the four weeks or, or four series of of the playoffs. You had to work before all all off season. You had to work all training camps are not easy. Uh, you had to work all regular season. Uh, these guys go through injuries. They go through all different types of, you know, um, playoff and personnel situations and call-ups and, and different things of that nature. Um, so it's not just, oh, we went through a few series and, and that's a lot to go through. It's years of going through all of that. You lose, you get that close and lose, and then you think to yourself, you have to go through an off season thinking about that, a training camp thinking about that another grueling regular season just to get one more chance maybe to get back here. And then you times that by 10, 15 years of you know going through that. And so for guys like that, so for some of these veteran guys that have come close, I guarantee that they remember, and they're drawing on every single part of that. And I think a good team and good leadership – We'll go to the young guys that maybe fully can't appreciate that yet and say, hey, you know, how do you make, how can we make this real for you? How can we help you realize it? and how can we make it tangible? Like this is, we. there's a lot of good teams. This lightning core has been a great core for a while. Uh, it doesn't happen every year. So how do you really kind of instill that in young players? And that's the key. Great teams with great leadership will always find a way to do that. And great young players uh, on great teams will always find a way to kind of listen to that, internalize that and be able to kind of, you know, turn that around and utilize that in games like this.
1: Halsey, I've got two more questions for you. The first one would be, when you see a team like the Islanders, and this goes on in the playoffs, but I think it stands out for me more so in this series, kind of go after Point and Kucherov and be extra physical. As a guy who is physical yourself, when you see that, that they're targeting your star players, what is your reaction and how do you go about your business is the immediate response to, all right, you want to take a shot at Kucherov? Next time I see Barzell, I'm taking a hit within reason, but I'm making sure he feels it as well.
2: Yeah, there's there's no there's no limit to the amount of gamesmanship, right, some of those players can come up with. So and that's part of the entertainment of it. Um, there's no secret formula. Every single, you know, player in the playoffs that's that's a physical type of player or not that's what everyone does is raise their game so you really you try and okay what is the other team's strengths you try and eliminate or reduce those as much as possible their top scorers you try and push them to areas they're uncomfortable in uh play physical take them off their game so you'll see some guys talking to them all game nonstop. uh that is all in an effort to get them to distract them uh, from what they do best and that's kind of and that score and, and you know hurt your team on the scoreboard and win games for them so um, you, you see Matt Martins you see uh, they've got some really effective players at uh, Clutterbuck you know you, you'll see these guys they'll play they'll play physical they'll try and uh, rough guys up they'll do things after the whistle um, and they're a tough line to play against Martin's been able to score some goals for them as well so you can't just you know um, get guys sucked into playing that way against them now Lightning also have guys like that that can do that to, you know, Islanders top players. And also, when you see, you know, the Islanders, you know, third, fourth liners, physical players going after your top guys. Lightning also now have the ability to say, we've got enough depth, guys. We've got enough uh, physical toughness. We can go and answer that directly with those guys. You've seen you know, some of the fights and some of the physical nature of the, the series uh, already. And so to me, that kind of you know, almost eliminates distractions. It has a, a way of calming itself down. So now the real part of the game can be played. It allows those players, uh, the top Lightning you know, skilled players, to really um, get back to what they do best and playing their game.
0: Halsey, last one from me. Greg mentioned in the first segment that at points in the series, the Islanders have had some jump and they've had some effective offensive zone time. And there have been some scoring chances, for sure, that Vasilevsky has had to deal with. But for a lot of the time that the Islanders have pressed, they have not been able to translate that possession time into a high volume of scoring chances which goes to how well the Lightning, I think, are defending without the puck, even if they may be struggling with the puck. How important has that been to the Lightning's success both in the series and throughout this playoff run that, all right, they may be fighting the puck a little bit, the passing with the puck may be off, but they are kind of reverting back (laughs) to the, the basics of defending without the puck so the other team isn't totally overwhelming them with scoring chances.
2: Yeah, that, you're exactly right. That's an absolutely necessary part of the game. You're never gonna play a 100% perfect game, so it's about okay. How do you adjust if there's something isn't working right? If you're just not able to score for whatever reason, or have the puck possession you typically do for whatever reason, you have to make it up, make up for it in other areas. And if that's team defense or the goalie bails you out on some chances or a penalty kill bails out someone on a on a penalty for whatever reason, um, that's what's necessary at that time. And the Islanders, I think you know, there's a a lot of scores, you know, they tuned game one, uh, some of the other, you know, uh, games in this series, and I think we know this Lightning group of players as such a talented, uh, you know, group of players that we kind of ha- have come to expect this scoring. Um, the Islanders, maybe, you know, they've got some unbelievable scoring talent where they may only take, it may only take one chance. You may, you know, ninety-nine percent of the game, you may have played flawless defense. But you just give them that one, you know, five-second chance where they get a break and they have the ability to break it open and score a goal and change the game. You know, especially in some of these um, maybe tighter checking games, might end up being just a one-goal game. So. Um, and I think that's something that the Lightning have also been able to kind of take advantage. You play that team defense, you kind of buy your team time, just because. Again, even the Lightning core, you've got that talented group that has a consistency of effort to just keep going and keep going. And it, we saw, I mean, you know, the Islanders, they had that, they had that breakdown 12, eight seconds left with Kucherov's goal the other night. Um, that wasn't the first, a great A scoring. They had that was a third out of to me. I remember yeah. watching it. I'm like, how can the Islanders allow? Three, but I mean, even one, let alone three, of those types of scoring chances in the last thirty seconds of a one-one tie game, and uh, you know, in the playoffs. And to me, I just that was a complete breakdown by the Islanders. Just kind of thought process and awareness. Uh, now, not easy playing against a team, you know, Kucherovs and and some of these players, uh, but. That's one of the things that's necessary. That's how quick it can happen. You play a perfect 59 minutes in 30 seconds, and you let your guard down for the last, you know, 30 seconds, and then there's three chances. Maybe your goalie gets there, you know, you get a piece of a couple of them, but you, that third one, and then and then that's it. You lose with eight seconds left, and and that to me was, you know, kind of the epitome uh, of a great example of okay, well, that's what it takes. You just got to outlast.
1: Halsey, last question for me. I know you've never experienced playing in a bubble. But do you think the benefits outweigh the negatives in this type of environment? I mean, you don't have any fans, and obviously you're away from your family, which is very difficult. But you're also just thinking and sleeping and playing hockey all the time and not having the travel to deal with as well. Have you allowed yourself to kind of think, you know, how you would react to being in the bubble and whether the positives outweigh the negatives?
2: Yeah, it's been such an interesting thing because we're in an unprecedented situation. Nobody's ever had to deal with this before. I remember traveling in playoffs and, and uh, even in regular seasons, in time zones, especially when you're uh, you know, getting kind of closer to the end. You never know where – uh, your next opponent is going to be um, so not having to deal with uh, traveling after a game and then uh, dealing with time zones and body clocks and then trying to recover and then get going again for you know when series switch venues. Uh, everybody's in the same time zone. There's no excuses. Everybody's on the exact same ice every single uh, game. Uh, so there's more consistency there. Uh, so that would probably yeah benefit you know players uh, in that manner as far as just like kind of individual performance. Um, as far as dealing with the fan aspect. There's no tickets. Uh, So as far as that type of – sometimes that's one of the things they worry about, especially maybe with some younger players or less experienced players – you're going to have tons of old friends uh, and family members and everyone else uh, that you've ever known in your life calling you asking you hey how do I you know get a flight what can, can you get me deal, deal in a hotel or tickets or whatever it may be to come into town to watch some of these games maybe that's eliminated so maybe that's a positive um, but you know also there's there's a lot to be said for that kind of emotional side that experience where you have fans and fr- that interaction I mean that's you know that's one of the greatest parts of this game is being having that interaction, being in uh, in a game where you have you know the home crowd uh, going nuts after you know a game-winning overtime goal or some of these you know some of these things that are happening, and also you know being in a game that maybe didn't go your way, maybe the other team has some success or scores a goal and you and uh, you're on the road and you have the fans you know kind of against you. Okay, that's a different type of adversity that kind of builds you up as a player if you're able to overcome that. So um, there's a lot of different things I. I, I honestly don't know how to net that out as far as whether it works out positive or negative. But um, there's definitely a lot of learning experiences, I'm sure, for these players right now.
1: What do you think? Did the laning end it tonight?
2: You know, I think, honestly, that depends on a lot of things. But for me, it always comes back to the start. If they can get off to a good start uh, and just really kind of it's that consistency. They, I think that they've demonstrated that, you know, Vasilevsky, when he plays on his game, he has the ability to steal games, whether the team plays well almost in front of him or not single-handedly. But the team has demonstrated they have this, this physical ability to play, you know, team defense and, and kind of withstand whatever's thrown at them. And then on the other side of it, they've got this ability where no matter how well the Islanders play sometimes, even if it's just one split-second chance, the Lightning do have the ability to kind of break it open just in that, you know, and kind of capitalize. So, again, there's so many moving pieces of this. I think the probability, you know, kind of helps, but, um, you know, that's why they play the games. That's why you can't discount the fact that the Islanders are a caged animal back into a corner with nothing to lose. And so anything but remembering that fact, uh, losing you know if the Lightning lose sight of that fact for even a second, then um you know I think the Islanders definitely have the ability to win this one. So it's going to be a fun one to watch.
1: Halsey, great job as always. We'll do it again soon. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks guys. Thanks Halsey. All right. Adam Hall joining us there on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Always uh, fun to uh, get Halsey on and talk to him about You know, that final game for a team to clinch the series and what is the mindset of both teams in this particular instance and what are the the issues that both deal with. But we'll talk more about that when we return. Also, too, what are you expecting tonight from the Lightning? Do they close things out? Unsung hero maybe tonight? And what do you make of what happened in the Western Conference final as well? It will be Dallas. So if the Lightning win... They will be taking on Rick Bonus, But first, they have to take care of business tonight, and you can listen to all of that action right here on Lightning Power Play.
0: The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app.
1: You know, it's pretty simple, Dave. You know that while I like to respect the numbers that are thrown out there, I think we talked about it on the show the other day, teams that are up three games to one since 81-82 in a conference final. I mean, the record is is astonishing in terms of of winning that series. And we can get into individual performances as well. We've also talked about maybe the difference between the Lightning's top players and the Islanders' top players. I'm going to focus on that in the pregame for sure leading into the game, con something you and I have discussed as well. Look, I, I, I don't think you can get away from the fact that Tampa Bay's best players have been better than the Islanders' best players, in addition to some other things that have have gone on. doesn't mean the Islanders have played poorly. I think it's probably more of a credit to how well Tampa Bay has played. But I kind of go back to a very simple analysis when I talk about this series and where it is right now. And I'll ask you because you have such a great memory when it comes to... Tampa Bay and and their season this year I find it very hard not saying it can't be done for all of those Islanders fans that are getting in a tizzy right now because I know you're listening why wouldn't you that it's going to be very hard for any team let alone the Islanders to beat Tampa Bay three games in a row and you can look at that statistically speaking but you can also look at it from a practical point of view This is a really good Tampa Bay team. I think sometimes we don't give them enough credit because we're so knee-deep in all of the analysis that we know every flaw, or we think we do, and uh, everything they do well. But the reality is, if you have a chance to take a step back and look at this logically, whether they were playing the Islanders or the Capitals or the Blue Jackets or the Penguins, whatever, this particular team, up 3-1, It's going to be really hard for a team like the Islanders to come back and win three straight games. And I asked you, I'm sure it happened during the regular season for sure, but I don't know. The stakes are higher. Tampa Bay understands that. And while we know the Islanders are going to give Tampa Bay, I think their perceived best shot, we also have to factor in that maybe the Lightning also take their best shot and throw it down and retaliate and give the Islanders. Something to think about, and that might just be enough tonight. We don't know how it's going to play out, but big picture, boy, I think that is a a tough task for the Islanders or any team to beat this Lightning team, Dave, three games in a row.
0: Being down 3-1, the odds are, are really against you, and statistically we can see that. I know that, that you pulled out that stat from the league about the conference finals since the conference finals were put into effect with an east and a west and again it's kind of an arbitrary start point for these types of stats because you still had semi-final series <laughs> before they were called conference finals but that's the way the league wanted to do it and what was it 19 and 0 teams up 3-0 in the conference finals we had that discussion I think when it was 2-0 lightning heading into to game three and I pointed out well what's more important to me is how many times has it been done ever in the history of the league for a team down 0-3 to come back and win and it has not been done a lot only four times this is different obviously it's 3-1 but using that same metric as I I saw it I believe it's 34-1 teams are went up 3-1 in the conference finals going back to the 1982 playoffs now for those Islander fans all of them out there who are making Power Lunch a must listen and they are during their during their I day the one the team that did come back from 3-1 down in a oh, conference final it, to win was the New Jersey Devils in 2000 against the Flyers and of course Lou Lamarillo was the general manager of that Devils team the league made sure that they got that note into the release as of well of course but being down 3-1 is hard, and I think if you, if you kind of factor in a lot of the series, and I'll go back a generation, where you had a clear disparity between the more talented teams and the less talented teams, and I think that's harder to, to find now because there's so much parity in the league. But let's say when Gretzky's Oilers were playing the Winnipeg Jets, you know, and they went up three one in 1985. You had a pretty good idea that the Oilers were going to win that series, and and they probably would if they were up three one against the Jets in 1985. I kind of pulled that out of my out of my hat, but there were series like that when you had a huge disparity between the super elite teams and the teams that kind of eked into the playoffs. That disparity is not as great now, and we know that. Any team can beat any other team in a playoff series. And the talent level, while there is a difference in talent level, that's not the whole story. That's not the end of the story. But still, being down 3-1 is, is a tough nut to crack. Why is it so tough to crack? Well, we saw three series in the last round where a team was down 3-1, won games 5 and 6, forced a game 7, and came very close to pulling it off. The Islanders were probably the one team that they definitely had the most comfortable game seven of the the three teams that were up 3-1, got taken to a game seven, and still prevailed. Vegas had to score late in a 0-0 game. They ended up winning 3-0, but the last two were empty netters, and we know what happened with Dallas and Colorado. That was a crazy game seven that went back and forth. Dallas gave up a goal to go down 4-3 with three minutes and 40 seconds left and tied it 10 seconds later, and Colorado had chances to win that game seven in overtime. So they were very close, Dallas, to losing a series where they were up 3-1. But generally speaking, why it is so hard, Adam Hall is absolutely correct. The Islanders are gonna be like a caged animal tonight. You would expect they will come out with high desperation, a high urgency level, with nothing to lose or everything to lose, because they know that one more loss and their season is over. And a lot of times you can see a team prevail in a game five like that, and we saw a similar type performance from Columbus in the first round and Boston in the second round. Even though the Lightning did end up winning those games, they got a really good shot from the opposition. So maybe you win game five expending that kind of energy, but now you got to go back and do it again. And maybe you can summit that same desperation level. Maybe you can't. But now the other side's desperation level is also going up, right? Because now they're a game closer to being eliminated. Then you got to win another game. But you're still not done. Now you got to come back for a game seven and find that same level because you know the other team now is like a caged animal. And again, it doesn't always play out like that, but I think – Generally, if you look over these series that have been 3-1, maybe a team does win game five to make the series 3-2, but to actually get game six and seven under their belt too is extremely difficult, and you usually need some things to go your way because you may not outplay the opposition in all three of the games, and that's what we saw in the Vancouver-Vegas series, in my opinion. Vegas played really well in games five, six, and seven. They could have closed out that series in game five, Could have closed it out in Game 6, even though they got shut out, but they had a ton of pressure. And they were all over Vancouver in Game 7. But Thatcher Demko stole a couple of those games for Vancouver. That can happen. And you can also have a bit of a mixed bag. So, like, the Flyers-Islanders series, I thought the Flyers were the better team in Game 5, which they won. I thought the Islanders were the better team in Game 6. And the Flyers were efficient enough at capitalizing on their scoring chances. And they got a heck of a performance from Carter Hart in net. But you could see that the tide was starting to turn. And by the time you got to game seven, the, the the Flyers just didn't have much pushback left. And maybe some of that was the Islanders. They jumped out to that early lead. But now the Islanders are facing elimination. And they came out like a team determined to extend their season. And I think you follow that trajectory, you can see why it's difficult. Now, the Dallas-Colorado series was a little different. Colorado blew out Dallas in Game 5, so they didn't have to expend a lot of energy. They scored, what, five goals in the first period. And then as much as you can win a game comfortably when you're facing elimination, they had a fairly routine win in Game 6. So I'm not sure that the Avs had to expend as much energy. When I say expend energy, you know what I mean. Like playing with your backs against the wall, playing like every shift is your last. I think they did have more in the tank by the time Game 7 rolled around, and and that was reflected on how close that Game 7 was between the Avs and the Stars. But that's just a sample size from this year. But I think if you go back over the years, taking into account that you know teams may be evenly matched, but it's not only hard to beat a team three times in a row, it's hard to beat a team when you are facing elimination three times in a row. But, as Adam said, that's why they play the game. So we won't know until they drop the puck tonight and see what happens. But uh, can the Islanders do it? Are they capable of doing it? Yes, they are. They're still alive. They've not lost the fourth game yet, but they are going to have to put forth the kind of desperation level that we expect to see tonight, but then also if they win tonight, continue it through the rest of the series.
1: And I will say this. I think this is one of those times where if you're a team like the Islanders, not playing in front of your home crowd in a game like this can hurt you. Because I think you can draw from the fans. You get so amped up. Now, look, we have seen teams get so amped up. First 10 minutes are a complete disaster. But I think in general, if you're asking a team, specifically the Islanders, who are down 3-1, if they'd like to have game five in their own barn where the crowd is just behind them, giving them that little extra energy. I mean, that's a factor. It is. I mean, it's, it's one that sometimes you can't calculate, but it can certainly give you a little extra motivation, as if these guys need it, to get over the hump and maybe do something that you hadn't done in the previous game. And I think to have those emotions not be there from the fans can be a little bit more challenging. Now, we asked Adam that question before, you know, the pros and cons of being in a bubble. I I am amazed at the level of play from the Lightning without any crowd because you know the fans, Dave, at Emily Arena would be rocking right now for sure, and I don't know, you know, how much better the Lightning would play in front of a, a huge crowd or not, but it's hard to look at the results and say, boy, Tampa Bay is just solely focused on playing hockey. It doesn't matter if they're literally playing in front of an empty arena or playing in front of 18,000-plus. They are determined. But I do think in this instance, for the Islanders, you need all the help you can get. And not having maybe your home crowd behind you, you know, being down in a series, I think is one of those things that, you know, maybe sometimes we forget that does play a role— In sports and and how well a particular team plays on home ice.
0: Well, if this were a regular playoff series, I mean, the Lightning did finish with more points. So game five, if they were playing how you would normally play a playoff series, game five would be at Amelie Arena. That is. But maybe the Islanders play with that level of desperation because they're facing elimination. If they get game five, to your point, now you're coming home for game six and you do have the crowd to maybe propel you forward. And the other part of it that, you know, may help the team that's down 3-1 is if you start climbing your way back into a series, maybe the other team does not react in a positive way. They don't have that same level of pushback because they start gripping their sticks too tightly. Kind of what you were talking about in the first segment relating to the Islanders and their, their you know, need to, to maybe play more loose and, and maybe generate more chances. But you know, A team that can see a 3-0 lead tick away to 3-3 or a 3-1 lead tick away to 3-3, maybe they don't react positively. And again, that's why you, you play the games. But the Lightning have been very measured through this playoff year, and they have kind of responded with an even keel, at least outwardly, after each win and after each loss. But I will, I will circle back to, to the point that we've made repeatedly already today. Two of their toughest games where they've seen tremendous push from their opposition through the first two rounds and four games have been the two game fives that they had against Columbus and Boston, which was very – it was identical to this in terms of the score of the series. It was 3-1, but it had not been 3-0. So, I mean, in other words, it would have been 2-1. The Lightning won game four to go up 3-1, so it's the first time The opposition is facing elimination and the lightning came into game five with some breathing room, which they have again tonight because they are not facing elimination and they got, they got a tremendous spirited performance from the other side. So I think that if you don't expect to see that from the Islanders, you should, (laughs) we may not, but I think that's what you should expect to see and, and see how the lightning
1: handle it. Dave, before we sign off, a couple of things. If Brayden Point can't go tonight, do you like seeing maybe Sorelli on that first line at times like we've seen uh, in games where Point has been out? How do you think that dynamic plays out um, before we get to to some final thoughts on the, the Dallas series quickly? Well, the Lightning did not lose game three because Anthony Sorelli was on the line with
0: Kucherov and Palat. I thought that line played well. Maybe the I, I would I would not be surprised to see Sorelli on that line answering your question, but maybe the 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 bigger question, or not the bigger question, but the more intriguing one, because we wouldn't be shocked if Sorelli is on that line, would be who takes point spot in the lineup, presuming Braden can't play, because in game three they were missing Point and Kalorn, who was serving the one game suspension, so Verhage and Stevens both slotted in. I thought Verhage had a terrific game. And Stevens also played well. He had the one mistake when he came out of the penalty box and and didn't clear the zone. And we we talked about that. The Islanders ended up getting the goal from Pellick, but he wasn't the only one to make a critical mistake over the course of that game that opened the door for the Islanders. But let's not forget Mitchell Stevens had a terrific game three on faceoffs. He went nine and two, and he's really been the one guy through the series who has consistently been able to win draws from Brock Nelson? I was shocked to see Brock Nelson finish Game Four six and nine in the dot. I'm like, I don't remember him losing more than two faceoffs the whole Game Four. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. he did. But I do remember that Stevens had a lot of success against him. So, if point cannot go, who comes in? If the Lightning keep the eleven and seven rotation and don't go to twelve and six, will it be Verhage or will it be Mitchell Stevens? And and maybe Braden Point. And if Point's able to play, that would obviously be
1: terrific news. Absolutely. Uh, lastly, surprise at all. I know we touched on it a bit with Dallas and Vegas. Vegas just – they couldn't get the offense going as much. Did I read somewhere where the Stars uh, – have to go back and read it. We're the only team to get to the Stanley Cup final with a minus goal differential in the conference final. But it shows you that. That's
0: not true. They out
1: they outscored Vegas nine eight. But I mean, they only scored nine goals. Maybe it's for the playoffs. Five games for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So it was it wasn't great, and their offense at times struggled. But they do have high end guys, and they got some contributions from some rookies. But of course, the biggest talking point there will be goaltending. I'm not sure anybody thought Anton Kudobin was going to be that good. Kudobin has been good in the playoffs, but he was sensational in this series.
0: Because let's not forget that Colorado series. And I should look up the stat before I start speaking off the top of my head. Whatever it was, it was it was an extremely high scoring series, which meant that Hudobin gave up a lot of goals. So did Bishop, mentioned his first period in in that fifth game where where he ended up starting and getting pulled. And uh and Hudobin, so he didn't play every minute of every game in the series, but you know, he did give up some goals. But how did Dallas beat Vegas? They were the better team clearly in game one, and Vegas looked like it had an after effect from the tough series against Vancouver more so than Dallas did with its tough series against Colorado. So, Dallas, I thought, deserved to win game one. It was one nothing, but if not for Marc Andre Fleury and Ned, it probably would have been more lopsided. But after that, the next four games, Dallas won three of the four. And I think for the bulk of those four games, five on five, Vegas. Controlled play. Now, sometimes they controlled play by a little. Sometimes they controlled play by a lot. But the equalizer was Hudobin's goaltending because Vegas was able to generate many dangerous scoring chances. It's not like the Stars batting the hatches and Vegas had a lot of possession time and did nothing with it. They generated a lot of great A's that Hudobin took care of. They really allowed his team to, to win games. And then the other part of it was... The Stars had little spurts in games where they would push and they would score. They would get timely scoring. So you look at the shots, and I know shots only tell part of the story, Greg, but invariably, you know, the the Stars are getting outshot by, like, 10 shots in a game, 15 shots in a game, you know, 18 shots in a game. And they were able to overcome that because their goalie played lights out, and when they had a chance to make a play – they made a play, and their power play really helped them last night, and they scored one goal with about 10 minutes left in the third to make a 2 nothing game 2-1, and then they popped in two power play goals, including the winner in overtime, uh, and that was all she wrote, but it wasn't as simple as that. It, to me, the formula for Dallas was terrific goaltending, timely offense, and that was how they were able to do it, but I think if you were to to replay a lot of those games and ask Kudobin to be as sensational as he was, you know, the the logic tells you, the metrics tell you, the stats tell you that Vegas would prevail more than one out of four games after game one. But they didn't. <laughs> and that is, At the risk of repeating myself, that's why they play the games. The goalie wears the uniform too. And he was an enormous part Of the stars success in the conference finals and they don't have to apologize for that he was terrific and when they needed to make a play they made a play and i thought that the stars from the point it became two to one last night they did carry play vegas looked like "Uh uh-oh here we go again are you kidding me and then when they tied it the stars tied it vegas looked like not the same team that we had seen earlier in that game or or for much of the series
1: It's fascinating, and uh, let's see if the Lightning can um, take care of business tonight because I think there would be some interesting storylines between the Lightning and Stars for sure, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun to cover. But again, everything starts with puck dropping at 8 o'clock, pre-games at 7.30, but you can listen to Brian Burns and Kaylee Chelios at 7 o'clock, their pre-game skate show. Make sure you tune in there on News Radio WFLA and Lightning Power Play. Dave, great stuff. We'll talk to you soon. All right, talk to you in a few. He's Dave Mishkin. I am Greg Lanelli. Thanks to Steve Erskine. always appreciate his expertise. And we'll get you set for the game tonight. Lightning trying to close things out and advance to the Stanley Cup Final. You can listen to it right here on Lightning Power Play.